You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to the Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. So the focus of today's podcast is all about increasing your sales, and I'm really excited to have a very special guest with me, Donald Kelly. He is the sales evangelist. Let me tell you all about Donald. He is from Jamaica, and he currently lives in Florida, where he helps people become sales machines through his programs and podcast, The Sales Evangelist. His podcast has been recognized in the media by Entrepreneur Magazine, Huffington Post, Yahoo Finance, and many more. He believes that anyone can sell when they follow three things. He is passionate about sales and helps struggling salespeople gain the edge they need so they can have even more success in their companies. Welcome, Donald, and thanks for sharing part of your day. Is there anything else you want to add to that introduction? Oh, my goodness. That is an awesome introduction. Can I just use that one every time I go out? (laughs) <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'll email it to you. I thought it was kind of fun as well. <laughs> it uh, positions you as a rock star you are, huh? Oh, my goodness. I need to pay you for that. That is awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> absolutely. Did you want to add anything that I didn't mention? Oh, Nancy, you like hit everything. I, the, the part that I love that you shared was about my heritage, Jamaica, yeah, and also we, um, the fact that I truly believe that anyone can sell. It's been phenomenal to work with sales professionals and entrepreneurs and small businesses and to see people who think, I'm not a good salesperson, all of a sudden become a value proposition professional. Like, you know, they just have this key ability to do so. And I really truly believe anyone can sell. So that's my passion. I love it. Awesome. Well, we're going to tie into that throughout this whole podcast. Jamaica is actually on my bucket list. What part are are you from? Oh, you need to do it. Um, I was born in a I was born in this uh, hospital called Natal Hospital, so it's kind of close to the capital, which is Kingston. And I grew up in a city known as Spanish Town. Um, it has some Spanish influence, um, but uh, Spanish Town is uh, the, the city, but no Spanish is spoken there. <laughs> and I moved from there to the U.S. when I was nine years old. So I became an American, Americanized, but I still speak like a Jamaican sometime in a month. I can't chat like it. So. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> So do you remember that movie, the Jamaican bobsled Olympic team? Yeah. Wasn't there something like that? Yeah, true story. It is a true story. And uh, got a chance to see them on the last Winter Olympics. They didn't qualify, but I got a chance to watch them. But it is truly a, um, a team, the Jamaican bobsled team. And the movie is even funnier. Yeah, the movie is great. I didn't know it was a true story. Well, that is awesome. Well, let's jump right into some fun questions for you today. Most people that I meet just dread selling, and you fully admit that you instantly fell in love with the art of selling when you were very young. Why do you think your experiences was so much more positive than other people? Very good question. I think one of the, the things that made my uh, – I, I guess I, I, will, I will give both sides. I will show my some vulnerability as well, and I'll tell you uh, there's a quotation by – Emerson that says, and there's a guy, Hubert J. Grant, that also says this quote a lot. Um, He passed away as well, but the quote was, 
that which we persist in doing becomes easier. Not that the nature of the thing changes, but our ability to do it changes. You know, for instance, if it's cutting wood, you know, cutting wood is still going to be hard, but maybe if you cut wood every single day, you become easier at, you become more professional at cutting wood or you gain the habit, so therefore it becomes easier to you, but the task still is the same. The, the axe still weighs the same amount. The wood still weighs the same amount. Nothing will change in that aspect, but your ability to do it changes. So sales, think of it like that. Sales is still difficult, I would say, to most, or still has the same challenges, but because I was able to gain the proper experience, it became, it became easier for me to do it. And when I would say what made my experience different, growing up as a kid, my family, they were selling, and I didn't know it was selling. It was just business, right? Because in Jamaica, it, you can go to college and be in your education, but still yet, there may not be as many opportunities like here in the U.S. where you just go to school, you gain your business degree, and next thing you can find a job you know, with benefits, you know, $50,000 a year. Not necessarily that easy in Jamaica. So people, a lot of people, they find ways to be able to survive because you still have to eat. That part doesn't change. You still have to have a roof over your head, and you still need water and the necessities of life. So people do all kinds of stuff to gain the money to make that happen. So my family, we had a shop on our house, and most people have this. Instead of having convenience stores in a neighborhood, their family members, people who had a side of their home that they turned into stores, they bought wholesale products and food, and they sold it as a local convenience store. Or, and then the other thing, my dad was also an entrepreneur, still is in Jamaica. He had several businesses. So I saw those things happen. So as a kid, I was working, don't talk about this in the U.S., but in Jamaica as a kid, like a you know, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, I was behind the counter selling stuff. You have to learn how to you know, do you know, weigh-in rice and you know, bread and cutting bread and all these different things, and then to sell it and then to give the proper change. I saw those things. I experienced those things as a kid. So therefore, I had that understanding and I had that experience um, doing it. So it became a little bit easier. So it came to one point where I would then sell mangoes in a front yard or sell cookies and different things in baggies. I did those things based because of uh, you know, just seeing it happen over and over and over. So I got used to selling. I didn't see it as that hard, even though it still was difficult. I didn't sell all, the, sell all my stuff all the time, but it was just a way of life. Am I making sense with that? Yeah, totally. So in the first part of your answer, basically sales is like a muscle you have to build. Just like when you go to the gym, it doesn't automatically pop up, but the more times you do bicep curls, you build your muscle, right? So, so true. Perfect analogy. Awesome. So you say people just need three things to be good at sales. They need the desire, the hustle factor, and proper training. How would you describe the hustle factor? Oh, my goodness. I'm reading a book right now called Grit. Actually, I lie. It's not necessarily the reading. I'm a big Audible proponent. I love Audible. So I listen, I'm listening to this book, and I'm almost finished with it. But one of the things the author emphasizes about this concept of grit is just being willing to work harder than anyone else through the adversity. So having an ability to just go beyond the call of duty is what I would say the hustle is. And you can see it. You, everyone can see it. You can sense it in individuals. Some people... They are folks who get the minimal amount of work in. They work from eight to five, but maybe they work from only four and a half hours in a daytime. They're at work. They're getting the basic stuff done, but they're, they're doing the okay thing. A hustler is someone who goes above and beyond the call of duty. They might say, well, I know I need to get this stuff done. I want to prep and use my day, my eight to five, as most effectively as possible, so I'm going to come in a little bit earlier an hour earlier or two hours, and I'm going to get some more things done 
that my boss probably not going to pay me for is just because I want to be more effective at what I do. Or maybe they go a little bit longer, they work a little bit harder, they work smarter, they're effective with their time, and they, they have true grit. In the face of adversity and difficulty, they don't quit or whimper or give up. They find a way and make it happen. And I think that's what made this country, the United States, so, so spectacular because you have so many people with the Cinderella story who came from a difficult or disadvantaged background who were integrated to this country you know, from Europe or you know, in South America or different countries, and they make it happen because if you, are, if you have that grit, that grit factor, or if you have that hustle factor, you can do almost anything and make it come true, make, it, make a, a life for yourself. So when I say sales, I see this in sales reps. Some sales reps, they do the basic stuff that they're supposed to do to get their check, their base salary, and they maybe make a little bit of commission here and there, but they're living below their capabilities because they don't have grit. When it gets tough, when you get the no's, when you get the rejection, they don't do it. And if you, and about, I think the, there's a study that showed that about, I think it was 60, I forgot what the percentage was, amount of customers, but most customers, when they say yes to a sales rep or to a company or to an entrepreneur, it's usually after the fourth to sixth attempt. So fourth to sixth attempt before someone says yes. And that means they may get an email, they may get a phone call, they may get a, a, you know, something in a, another marketing material or whatnot. It takes to six, at least six times before they say yes. Really, a lot of people, it's up to that ninth time. And the problem is so many salespeople give up after their first or second try because they don't have grit. So therefore, if you have that grit factor, that hustle factor, you can do almost anything. But hustle alone doesn't cut it. The first idea, the first one that I share is desire. I can teach anybody to sell. I promise you, I guarantee you that one. I can teach anyone to sell and to sell effectively. And I say it confidently, not cocky, because I've done it so many times. But the only people I cannot teach are people who do not have a desire. If you have no desire, it doesn't matter how much money you want to give me. I will refuse it because I've seen it and I have a reputation to maintain. And if someone doesn't have the desire, no one can teach them. Come with a desire. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be great, but a desire to succeed, then with your hustle factor, the proper training makes anyone phenomenal, guaranteed. That is awesome and so easy to remember. I remember my first early days of my business where I would take any client because I don't know if you remember the first couple of years, but it's a little hard oh. getting it off the ground. Yeah, right? Like we all can, we call that the entrepreneur journey. But after I got some momentum, I'm like, I'm not working with someone who's not going to put in as much or more effort as I am because it's not going to work and then they're not happy, I'm not happy. So I totally agree with you on the whole desire factor. Oh, it is. It is. I have a, I have a past client. That's what I call them. And <laughs> Because I was one of my, just like you said, one of my first clients that I got, uh, I got someone who reached out to me like, oh man, can you do some coaching? Coach the individual. We had said several months contract and agreement. And by the end, this guy didn't implement the stuff. And it was just so frustrating each month that we were working together. And right now at that point, I wanted to get a reputation for myself, right? I'm like, come on, dude, I need you successful. I need to see you advance. But the problem is he did not apply himself. He, it was more of more of like a good – it's like some people just do it to say I have a coach and to say that I tried or I did something and thinking that miraculously you're going to have this transformation, but you don't have a transformation based on the coaching or the information. You have to apply it in order to see the result, and he didn't have it. So if that guy came back to me with, you know, $50 million, you know, to be honest, I probably would say I'm not going to do that because it's going to be a waste of my time. 
maybe if I can uh, get him a psychologist first and then come back with him. <laughs> I have people that have paid me and I've sent them reminder notes that, hey, you still have one or two sessions left. When do you want to talk? And they don't even follow through and I'm stop sending them notes. I'm like, okay, if they really want my time, they're going to track me down. But I've done as much as I can. So that's for sure. Do you have a method to determine their desire? Usually, after a first call, I can tell someone's desire. Usually, you can find out what they have done before to improve. That's one of the questions I ask. I ask people, like several questions, what do you do, you know, what, what's the main challenge you have? And then I, I ask a, a question saying, well, what have you done to solve that challenge before? And what are some results? Usually, after, if, you, if they answer that second question, you know, you know vaguely, or you can, you, know, you can see that they skip over that second question, or you know, they say, well, I haven't tried anything, you can tell. And then if you start having a conversation with them, you start breaking things down, you know, finding out what, you know, what the main challenge is, how long this challenge has been going on, what the day-to-day activity is like. You, know, if, you can always ask them too, what's your morning routine like? And that one will tell you a lot because if someone doesn't have that morning routine, they don't have that you know, uh, a, set, you know, a plan or a set schedules or you know, some kind of factor you know, scaling their desires in other aspects of their lives, you can tell if they're going to be a good client or not. Um, oh, that's a that's good one. Yeah, the, the morning routine. If you can, if they have, even if it's not perfect, but they say they get up and they do something over, or find out if they have a hobby. Do they have something that they do and they're good at it? They, they, they're consistent at it because that will tell you their health factor. Maybe they play softball or maybe they, on a soccer league, maybe they go running every day. Maybe they, um, you know, do some kind of extra activity, almost like, you know, a, a, a student you know, Harvard, when they look, hire, uh, bring on new uh, students, one of the things in the admission process is to see if that person has taken care of, done any extracurricular activities. And the only reason why that's such a big deal for them because that tells about the person's willingness to continue in the face of adversity and if they're willing to hustle. And uh, it's, you can tell with a, a new client um, what, they, what their uh, level are. That, that is really good. So I'm going to steal your morning routine question in ex- exchange for your bio. Fair trade? Sounds like a fair trade to me. <laughs> okay, awesome. Hey, let's talk follow-up because most people fall really short on follow-up. Like you said, you need four to ten touch points before the sale comes. Do you have one or two easy tips people can do right now to have better follow-up? One of the things that I would do, the first thing I would say is the two, two easiest things. One is calendar to tell the prospect beforehand. What if, and if, you, if I was to ask anyone, if I was to ask you, you know, pretend Mr. Audience member, you're listening to this, Mrs. Mrs. Audience member, you're listening to this. If I was to ask you, you know, what's one of the biggest frustrations you have with following up, you said you, you're probably going to answer like this. Say, I do not want to come off like I'm bugging or too salesy or too desperate. Perfect. I understand that. Here's where you can eliminate that. The first thing and the most important thing you need to do is to tell the client beforehand that you're going to follow up, and then it eliminates the idea that they're going to bug you because they give you, they've given you the consent. They have said yes to it already. So after every meeting with a prospect, there needs to be a clear next step. If you end that meeting without a clear next step, that, that conversation, that phone call, that webinar with a, you know, or web conversation with a coaching client, if you end that without a clear next follow-up, that's where you have issues because then you start saying, well, I don't want to bug her. I just talked to her. I just bugged him. Uh, I'm going to be a nuisance. I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to send it. And then next two days go by, three days go by, a week, two months, and then you're like, well, uh, let me send an email. And then you know, say, oh, I already got a solution for it already because you chose not to follow up. But if you tell the prospect, 
tell them, set the rules before you play the game. You know, if you're, play, say your client's Jeanette, Jeanette, awesome session today. I would love to connect, we'd love to connect with you for the next step. What day would best for you to get on, the, get on another call to discuss blah, blah, blah from what we talked about today? Okay, perfect. Um, I would love to get back with you. Tell them, do you have your calendar handy? They pull up their calendar, you pull up your calendar, and you do a calendar invite right then and there. I run by calendar invite. My mom the other day, she was so funny. I needed to meet with her. Uh, she wanted to, her car was in a shop or my sister was using her car. So she needed to ride somewhere. So she said, hey, can you come by and give me a ride? And I'm like, yeah, when? She's like, well, it's in like two weeks. She's like, I know how you do with your calendar. So <laughs> 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 she was to, it was like a week or two weeks out, but she was trying to get it on the calendar because she's like, I know how you are. Because it's just so important. If it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist. But I would tell you it's the same thing with your prospects. If you're trying to deal with high achievers or people who are being successful, they, their calendar is not just dedicated towards you. They're not just open and waiting for your call. They have life going on. You know, they have to buy stuff for their kids. They have to go out. So tell them you're going to remind them, I'm going to call you on this particular day, and perfect, let's do a calendar invite. It eliminates it. And here's another bonus secret with follow-up. You ready for this one? Bring it on. The secret, one of the secrets to following up, and this is a, the model that I live by, with the way that I do my business. In order to be successful, do the opposite of what everyone else is doing. So you can do the phone call follow-up, or you can do a unique follow-up. I followed up with a gentleman the other day, and he had, and I did not use the word follow-up, and I did not say follow-up. I sent out a tweet, and I, pr- I promoted something that he was doing. And I had to say nothing to him about the project. He said, hey, man, just wanted to say thanks so much for sharing this, blah, blah, blah. This has been going on. I want to let you know that I haven't given up. Um, things are just going you know, crazy right now. And then we schedule for the next, round, next go around. I found a unique way to get access to someone by promoting them and something that's important to them. Or the other thing is people don't do this, and it's, important, it's a key way of doing it, is using the snail mail. It is magic. It is glorious. It is a beautiful thing. And because a lot of people don't do it, it makes you stand out against the crowd. Imagine if you sent like, uh, something in the mail, like a... Um, my credit card company just did this to me the other day. They sent me a, I don't drink coffee, but they sent me a, this, this, letter, this little postcard um, letter envelope, and it says, take a break on us, and it opened it up, and it's a Starbucks gift card. And it's like, tell us how you enjoy it. And they put you know, the $5 gift card in there at Starbucks with the hashtag, um, my favorite drink or whatever. So then that's how they can follow up with me to see if I use the gift card. Am I making sense with that? Yeah, that is awesome. And I never thought about the Twitter. I try to share people's stuff, but I love giving somebody a tweet out on their stuff. I do snail mail all the time too, and I do Starbucks cards because mm-hmm. people don't expect it. And they're like, oh, my God, how cool is this, right? Oh, yeah. They, it's just a magic. If they're in person, if you're trying to get into this, a guy told me this on my podcast. What he did was he's trying to get into this company a unique way, right? So he found out who the marketing director was, and that's his contact, and the t- marketing team, like three, four people. So he went to Starbucks, got, their, got drinks for them, like, you know, just regular coffee or drinks or whatever. And then he got, wrote all, had Starbucks write their names on it, and then he went and delivered it. And he was able to get through all of the, you know, the security and all that stuff because he was delivering something, and he was able to deliver them some Starbucks. And they loved it, and they remembered him, and then he was able to get the appointment and move further. So it was a crazy awesome way to follow up as opposed to, I made a phone call, boss, and I didn't answer. So I guess this deal is dead right now. No. Wow, you've got some really, really great things. I'm going to give you a chance to share how people can work more closely with you after my signature question, and here it goes. Because yeah. I'm a productivity expert, I help people find back time in their day. 
What would you do if you had one extra hour in your day? How would you spend that? Without fail, family. I would spend that one extra hour with family. I am very, uh, very, uh, you know, just like I push my, my time. You know, I, I, I have a calendar. I do all those things. I think I, I do that really well um, for the most part. Because here's, here's what I would say. As a kid, you can, or um, if you gave me $10, I can make that $10 stretch into something amazing. You can give some people $10, and they won't use that $10 effectively. If they won't use that $10 effectively, what makes it that they're going to use $100 or $1,000 effectively? They're going to squander that. My goal would be if you gave me $10 to use that effectively to make that into maybe $20. You know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? That, get, getting that? If you yeah, can, that totally makes if you, sense. If you can't use 10 hours right now effectively, what makes it that you're going to use 20 hours even better or more effectively? You're going to squander it. And that's, we see that with celebrities and um, athletes who become ultra-successful, they still squander their money because they don't use it effectively. And I think it's the same thing with time. I treat my time like that. But if I had one more hour with my wife or to spend a dinner with my family a day, that would be fun. Or my wife and I, we like to go for drives. It's like therapeutic for us. If we can go for a drive down A1A, down by the water, by the ocean in South Florida, you know, that would be awesome to do that and just listen to some music or just chat while we drive. That would, that's how I'd spend that one extra hour without even thinking about it. That is a great answer. Do you have a convertible? We do not have a convertible yet. <laughs> <laughs> you may want to think about that. Throw that in the mix. That would be fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, you have just loaded us with tons of great sales tips and advice. Can you share how listeners can work more closely with you if, they, if this all resonates with them? Yeah, if they do, what they can do, I'm going to give them a free video. Uh, I created this email, um, excuse me, this video tutorial on how to double the amount of referrals you're getting. So for, no matter if you're a sales professional, you're an entrepreneur, whatever, everyone wants, likes to get a good referral. So it's three-part video, uh, I think it's three or four-part video series, and uh, all together it's about 45 minutes, so you can take them, part, take them one day at a time and just like watch 10 to 15 minutes of this video. But um, I will give that to you guys if you can go to this, thesalesevangelist.com slash Nancy. But don't forget the, the, the at the beginning, so thesalesevangelist.com. Nancy. If they do that, they'll get access to that where they can download it and give me their, tell me you know, how they found about me and if they want to give me an email address and so forth and just stay in communication and become best friends. So. Awesome. What a generous gift. So it's thesalesevangelist.com slash Nancy for this podcast. Anything else we didn't cover that you want to shout out? Yes. Yeah, anyone's around in South Florida or capable of coming down, we have a conference this week. <laughs> and if you don't get a chance to attend, um, you can definitely let us know. We can get you access to recording, just recording. But this conference is called Do Big Things, and it's all about motivating and inspiring others, entrepreneurs, sales professionals, people of all visionaries of all levels, to take action on their ideas and their dreams. So Buddy and I, he's a he's a coach as well, and he is in the leadership arena. He's a phenomenal gentleman named Travis Thomas, and uh, we partnered up and we're putting on this event in South Florida. So we'd love, love, love for anyone who would like to, to check it out. If you can't make it, we can definitely get you the recording of some of these phenomenal speakers who are talking about how they overcame their obstacles, their challenges, and was able to accomplish their big things. But the event is called Do Big Things, and it's an annual event now. This is 
first year, but we're going to do it again next year from the overwhelming uh, feedback we've gotten so far. So we're excited for that. Congratulations. Well, you've just inspired me to do two podcasts in one week so we can promote that. Maybe you can give, are you comfortable giving the exact date and location or where people can find more information on the podcast? Yeah, um, they can find that information at dobigthings.net. So dobigthings.net. And it's in South Florida at the EMCO, and it's in West Palm Beach, Florida specifically. It's about um, you know, West Palm Beach, if you're familiar with Orlando, about three, two and a half hours south of Orlando, a little higher north of Miami. And uh, it is DEA beautiful. But the MCO is a creative space, and we chose that instead of like a hotel lobby or a hotel conference room because we wanted something that was going to be creative for individuals, kind of just different. My whole philosophy is, again, in order to be successful, do the opposite of whatever, what everyone else is doing. So this conference is unique. We have masterminds. So after the sessions in the morning and the afternoon, we break the attendees off into, uh, into groups of about 10 so they can – mastermind and strategize about what they've learned and how they can implement it to get their ideas off the ground. So it's going to be phenomenal. So we're stoked about that. Wow. That, I wish I was closer. I got to spend time at West Palm Beach. I worked at Florida Power & Light when I was with IBM. So I got to fly down there, and it was great weather and a great place. And I even got to see spring training, which was kind of cool. Very yeah, that's awesome. A, that's a great time of the year when you come for spring training. You get to see some awesome uh, ball players and uh, league uh, games for ridiculously cheap in comparison to the regular season. <laughs> I know, and you can get really close to these people. The security is a lot lighter than it would be at a real game. So very, very cool. Well, Donald, thanks again for taking time to share your tips. It's been fun. I've learned a lot. Listeners, my new report on the five systems you must have in your business to boost your results is available on my website. You can learn more at nancygaines.com. And if you love the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes so other people can find us. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.